Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Thank you very much. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. I want to uh, echo what Andrew said. Happy Mother's Day to all our mamas and uh, grandmas and great-grandmas. Any great-great-grandmas? Do I see a hand? Okay, well, we celebrate. <laughs> I'm sure there's some. Uh, but happy. I hope you enjoy your day uh, today. But hey, we've been in, as you can see on the screens, we've been in a series. We're going through the book of Ephesians uh, the New Testament book and the series, the title there is, who do, we, uh, who do We Think We Are? And if you've missed any of this series, this is week five, uh, or really if you've missed any series that we've done, we've got a whole bunch of them, uh, go to vcdc.org and you can catch up or you can watch, uh, watch them there. <clears throat> but today we're going to be looking at the last section of, of chapter three, and it really brings us to like a pivotal part of uh, the letter. Uh, In many of your Bibles, chapter 4 starts with the word, therefore, or it might might have the phrase, as a prisoner of the Lord then. And basically, Paul's saying, hey, based on what I've been saying in the first three chapters, now, here's, here's what you need to do. And when Andrew kicked off the series, he talked about how chapters 1 to 3, the first half of uh, Ephesians, uh, that Paul focused in on uh, on the, our position in Christ and the doctrine of our faith. And then in the second half of Ephesians, chapters 4 through 6, he focused in on our, you know, our practices in Christianity and our duties, our duties uh, of our faith. Uh, it's sort of like identity, purpose, theory, uh, action. And, and in 1 to 3, we've learned, we've been reminded that we who were once spiritually dead have been made alive with Christ, and we've been reconciled. Our you know, relationship has re- been restored with God through the perfect sacrificial death uh, and work of Jesus on the cross. There's been, there's been a, a vertical healing and restoration. If you remember last week, Heather used this, this, these words, vertical and horizontal. There's, you know, God has not only, uh, not only wants for a vertical healing and restoration, but now what we've been learning is that he also wants to do a horizontal uh, healing and restoration. God's plan, <coughs> excuse me, God's plan is to, is to uh, from all of humanity, really it's to reconcile all of humanity into a new humanity, into a new family, this massive family called the church where he is uh, the father. And, and just before the section we're going to look at today, Paul gets at, we learn a little bit more about his plan, God's plan for his Uh, new family. Verse 10 says this. It says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And remember, what he's talking about there is God's plan. God's plan is to put us, the church, and I don't mean just VCDC. I mean the church, global church, God's plan is to literally lift us up and put us on display for all the world to see. And it's like, hey, world, hey, people who don't know me yet, look at my workmanship. 
Look at, look at my church. Look at what I have built. Look at what I am building. Look at all these, you know, all these different people from very different backgrounds with very different opinions. Look at them all now united around Jesus. Look at them learning, growing, caring, loving, forgiving, enjoying each other. Hey, world, like, do you want to be part of this? Right? That's, that's, that's God's plan for the church, and that is quite a plan. I mean, think about that. Hey, world, do you want to, uh, do you want to see a reflection of God's nature? Uh, just look at us. Look at the church. That's quite a task that we've been given, that we've been invited into. And so today, before we move from identity to uh, purpose or, you know, from theory to action, we're going to look at this last little bit of chapter 3 where uh, we're going to learn from Paul what our response should be to that the plan of God, that awesome, awesome task that we've been invited into. So let's pray, and then we will we'll get into this text. So Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for everyone who's here. I just love looking at all these people, knowing that you know us. You know what, we, what we're feeling right now, what we're thinking right now. Uh, and I just pray that you would come close today. You know what we need. So just come and, uh, come and shepherd us. Come and care for your flock today. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can turn in your B-I-B-L-E to uh, Ephesians 3 or on your P-H-O-N-E. I, I thought that up last week. Okay, but you can turn there, or if you don't want to do either of those, you can watch on the screen. Uh, here's our text. Ephesians 3, verse 14 and 21 says this. He says, For this reason, <clears throat> I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right. Now remember, Paul, you know, Paul's the great church planter. And uh, this is a letter that he's written to, really it's to a group of new young churches that are filled with uh, new believers in Jesus, filled with new believers uh, who are living in cities and communities that are, you know, are, are really loaded with with idol worship and forms of religion that are very different from this new faith that they've embraced. People who would have been raised in a religious system where, you know, what they would have been taught is that they have to earn the favor of their God, that you need to do this, 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 and, and your God, your idol might, might respond to you. And, and when we look at these, these young churches, these new churches, it's, it is quite a mix of people. You've got uh, Jews and Gentiles. Remember, Gentiles, are, that's anyone that isn't a Jew. You've got masters and slaves. You've got the rich and the poor. You've got men uh, and women all gathered together in, uh, in the church. And Paul lays the foundation uh, in one through three of, okay, you know, identity, who they are, and what God wants to do through them. And just imagine, like the way that 
the church would have experienced this letter uh, that we're going through is, is they would have gathered together and someone would have, you know, uh, got the package from FedEx and, hey, we got a package from Paul. And uh, they would have got it, and they just would have read that, this letter to the people. And, you know, I, I try to imagine that. I can just imagine the people hearing the, you know, the first few chapters of, of Ephesians. And I think at first they would have thought, this is such an awesome letter. You know, they're just, they're really enjoying hearing that, hey, you've been adopted. You've been adopted into God's family. You've been, you know, you've been made alive with Christ. You've been, uh, you've been saved by grace. You're now seated with Christ in heavenly places. And they're probably like, oh, Paul, this is such a good letter. Thanks so much for writing it. But I wonder, I wonder if the room would have uh, got a little chilly or a little quiet as the letter continued, you know, the person's up front reading, and now, you know, dearly loved by God uh, people, he wants to make all of you into a very connected, loving family to demonstrate to the world the great love, the great mercy, uh, the life-changing power that is found in God. And I wonder if, if the room just kind of went quiet and people are looking around thinking, really? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, do you think, you think you're going to be able to make this group into a family? Do you remember? <clears throat> do you remember last week, Heather talked a lot about the temple and all the dividers in the, tevemp, in the temple as they gathered together to worship? Do you think the people were looking around the room going, I don't know if this is possible to make this into a family? Right, like you got Jews and Gentiles, and they're on different sides of the room. You've got, you know, the masters and the slaves are in the back, and you've got the rich are sitting in lazy boys, and the poor are, you know, sitting on a bench, and you've got, and I'm making this up, of course, but, and then you've got the men are in the front, and the women are in the back. Like it's just, it's just such a separated, and they're, they're listening to this going, yeah, I, I don't know if that's possible. And here's where we learn from Paul what our response should be when God invites us into a task. That is overwhelming for us. So number one is, when I am overwhelmed, I pray. <clears throat> when I am overwhelmed, I pray. Uh, Paul's going to teach us what he has learned uh, about prayer as he has been participating with God in the task he was given. Another impossible task. If you remember in Acts chapter 9, there's a great story where Paul, his name used to be Saul, um, but, but where Paul, the Jew of all Jews, literally was knocked off his horse and conscripted by God. God's like, hey, get up out of the dirt. I've got a job for you to do. I'm sending you to the Gentile nations to tell them about me. And again, we learned last week how much the Jews totally despised, totally despised the Gentiles. And you know, and it's like, Paul, here's your task. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna send you to the people that you despise the most. And Paul is like, well, okay, but honestly, I, I don't think I can do that. And God's like, right answer. That's the right answer. And, and you know, think about that. That's such an honest response, because think about the tasks that God has given us to do. Think about, you know, maybe, maybe you've discovered this already, or you're in the process of discovering uh, that what God has invited you into, it's something so beyond you. It's something you can't do. Like, for instance, uh, here's an easy one. Love your neighbor. Think of your neighbor right now. Uh, love your enemy. Uh, be quick to listen. Slow to speak. I think I'll be working on that one <laughs> until I'm dead. Oh, here's an easy one. Wives, submit to your husband 
as you do to the Lord. And just so, ladies, you don't feel singled out, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. I'm like, are you kidding me? What did he do? He gave his life for the church. Children, obey your parents. I mean, on and on. All these overwhelming tasks that God has given us. So how does Paul respond to the task God has given? Verse 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray. And the fact that he starts this off with for this reason, basically what he's saying is because of, because of the impossibility of the, of the task that God has given, what do I do? I, I kneel before the Father and I pray. And you know, I, one of the things I love about God is you can talk to God anytime, anywhere. I mean, I love to go for walks and I, I, I talk with God. I love to, you know, when I'm alone in the car, I love to, to talk with God. But I also believe that posture is really important, right? Just, just like when we worship together, like, you know, when we're, when we're singing, the, declaring the wonders of God, I believe our physical posture is really important because I think we are wired as human beings. Like what we do with our bodies impacts our innards, impacts our soul. Right? And so when it comes to prayer, when Paul says, I kneel before the Father, like, like I think this is so good for us to kneel, to take this posture. It's so good for us, and it's so incredibly, uh, it's so good for us because it's so humbling for us. Because think about it. Who do you really think God is? Right? And if you really think he is the king of all kings, you really think he's the one who's keeping you alive right now, like, isn't this the right response before God. But here's the reality. Our culture, we're not a kneeling culture, are we? Like, I think we're somewhere on the other side. We want, we want people to kneel to us. Like, we are a demanding, we are a demanding culture. And so, let me ask you, when's the last time that you kneeled in prayer before God? When's the last time that you kneeled before God in a, in a time of worship? I just want to, I want to, invite us into a place, into a, into a posture that is so good for us. It's so good for us to humble ourselves before God. Uh, Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What's he talking about there? Well, he's reminding them. He's reminding the people listening to this letter, like, hey, remember, remember you guys, you've been adopted. Like he's saying, remember, when you, when you go before God, when you kneel before God, you're going before the one who, who not only made you, knows you, loves you, you're going before the one who gave his only son to die in your place so that you could be adopted into his family. So remember, when you kneel before the Father, you're, you're praying to the one who wants you. He went after you. He pursued you. He chose you. Like, remember, you're, you're going before the one who loves it when you turn to him in prayer. Dallas Willard defines prayer this way. He says, prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together. And what, it doesn't mean we horizontally together. He means we with God, what we, we are doing together. See, the Christian life is a life of constant dependence on God. It doesn't matter how old you get or how much money you make or how many degrees you have. You will never, you should never 
outgrow your need for God. And I wonder if over this last year and a bit, I mean, this has just been the craziest year that we have gone through. And I know for many of us, we have really got in touch with our inability to do what God has given us to do, love our neighbor, right? There's been a lot of friction in relationships at home, at work, at school, like all over, all over the place. And I wonder if for some of us in, 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 in tuning into our inability to do what God has called us to do, I wonder if, if there's anyone in this room that you carry a little bit of guilt because of that or a little bit of shame as you look at your inability. But I, I'm here today to tell you, actually, you know what? The opposite is true. If over this last year and you have uh, become more in tune with your inability to do what God has called you to do, you know what? That's something to be celebrated. Because that actually, when a human being gets more in touch with that, that actually is growth in your life. That actually is, is maturity in your life. Like, I've heard it put this way. The Christian life is go to work with your father day every day. Every day. And, and you know, I, I think it's good to have set times of prayer. You know, I pray in the morning. I pray before I go to sleep at night. I think that's really important. But I think it's even more important as we go through our lives, all the stuff of life, it's more important to have an ongoing conversation with God as we, you know, as we face the stuff of life. Like, do you notice in the Bible, there's nowhere in the Bible that teaches us uh, how to end our conversation with God. Like, there's nowhere. It's like, uh, okay then, all right, all right. Yeah, you too, <laughs> you too. Okay, bye-bye. Like, there's nowhere in the Bible that teaches us to do that. Amen does not mean bye-bye. Amen means let it be so. Amen means you can do this. Our hope is in you. Amen is not hanging up on God, right? It's, it's celebrating God. And, you know, in this, just this picture, this picture, it's, it really is a picture of what it means to be a Christian. It's ongoing conversation with God. It's ongoing dependence with him. I mean, the Bible, think about this. We forget this. As we get older, especially, we forget this. The Bible says that if you are really going to stay in step with God, if you're really going to embrace his ways, you need to become like a little child, Right? And, and I wonder, I'm looking around the room, I mean, I know, I think I know most of these foreheads, I think, but, but I wonder if today there's anyone in the room who would say, like, I actually, I don't know God that way. I don't know him as a father who wants me. I don't know him as a father who I can call on any time for anything. Like, and, you know, if that's you today, if you don't know him that way, well, I'm inviting you today into that kind of a relationship with him. Like, this is what it means to be a Christian. You get to live this life with all the stuff of life as his child. You get to live this life as his, as his responsibility, meaning like he is always with you, he's always for you, he, he wants, I mean, he wants to hear, he wants to together talk about whatever is going on in your life. Paul says this in another of his letters. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So when I am overwhelmed, what do I do? I pray. Number two, when I am overwhelmed, I seek God's provision. When I am overwhelmed, I seek God's provision. So Paul teaches us to, you know, to, to kneel before the Father and to pray. And it's like, okay, Paul, 
That's, that's a nice picture. But what do we pray for? Verse 16 says this. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, before I continue my thought on this, I just want to little sidestep, little, little point here. Like, notice when, when Paul, you know, basically he's teaching them how to pray. And notice how he prays. Notice that Paul prays to God the Father. Paul prays to God the Son, to Jesus. And Paul prays to God the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a mystery. It's called, we call it the Trinity, where God is one God who's revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and so, if, uh, you know, just a little side thing. If you've, ever, if you've ever wondered, well, who do I pray to? Well, let's, we can follow the example of Paul. You can pray to the Father, to the Son. You can pray to the Holy Spirit. So little, little bonus there. No charge, little bonus. But now, uh, so when we are overwhelmed by the task God has given us, what do we do? We pray. We kneel before the Father. We humble ourselves before God. And as that, as that increasingly becomes the default response in our life, meaning the response when we are overwhelmed, oh boy, help God. What do I do? I need you. I mean, as that more and more becomes our default response in our lives, here's a wonderful thing starts to happen in our lives. We start getting more and more in touch with the reality of how incredibly weak and needy we are, but we also start getting in touch with the reality of how incredibly powerful and able God is. Uh, Dallas Willard says this, the more we pray, the more we think to pray, and as we see the results of prayer, which are the response of our Father to our requests, our confidence in God's power spills over into areas of our life. See, I, I'm convinced one of the reasons uh, uh, why prayer, or, or some of the reasons why prayer isn't our default response, is we really do struggle to believe that he's there. We really do struggle to believe that he's listening. We struggle to believe that he cares. We struggle to believe that he can actually do something about our, our need, our challenge, and then add to that this thing in the human heart that, that is still convinced that we can do this on our own. And what Paul is teaching these young Christians, he's like, hey, hey, let me, let me learn this now. You can't do it on your own. In fact, on your own, it, this will be an impossible task. And really, the picture that he's painting for them is, is God has everything that we need and it's through prayer, and it's through faith. It's through asking, and it's through trusting that we are able to draw on the never-ending resources uh, of God. Look at what he says. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, strengthened with power through his spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts to grasp how wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ to know this love that surpasses knowledge, to be filled with the fullness of God. See, kneeling before God 
humbling ourselves before him, recognizing our need and asking for his, you know, his provision and all the stuff that we're going through, that posture, that response puts us in a very wonderful and a very accurate place that our flesh, that our pride, that our, you know, our westernness tries so hard to uh, cover up and deny that place of total, total need. Like, I remember uh, way back in 1987, uh, uh, I went to see the Irish rock band U2. Any U2 fans? Come on. Yep. Yeah, I see those lighters. But, uh, you know, and, and uh, this was the original Joshua, uh, Joshua Tree Tour, and it was wonderful. And I'm in, you know, in, this, in Vancouver, the stadium, and there's 60,000 plus people. And I was just in, like, I love you too. I still love you too. But I was just in awe of Bono, the lead singer. And I just couldn't get my eyes off him. I'm, you know, I'm way up in the nosebleeds. And I think I can see him. I think that's him. And it's like, and I'm looking thinking, this guy is awesome. And just to be in a room where it looked like this one man is so charismatic that he had 60,000 people in the palm of his hand. And I'm just, oh, I'm just, you know, staring at him. And all of a sudden, as I'm looking at that in the midst of all the noise, this little whisper drifted through my mind. It said this. It said, you know, if you held your hand over his nose and mouth for like a minute, he'd die. Now, before you call the cops, <laughs> what that spoke to me. <laughs> no, but... What that's, here, here's, here's the context. Here's the context of this. This is 1987. I'm 20 years old. I'm just learning to play the guitar. I'm just learning what it means to be a worship leader. And what God was teaching me is, son, don't be in awe of the gifts that have been given. Be in awe of the giver of the gifts. Amen is right. See, it's it's. Yes, he is great, and I think he is great. Bono is great. But the Psalms are full of verses that say things like, what is man, God, that you even notice him? Like, it's, he says that our lives are like poof, a vapor. We're like the flowers of the field. We're here one day, and we're, and, we're, and we're gone the next. Jesus totally drives this home in John 15. He says this. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like that's a verse we all need to memorize. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, continuous prayer. I need you. I don't know what to do. Help me, God. Continuous prayer, humble prayer reminds us that we are but a branch. And think about like what good is a branch? that is not connected to the vine, like useless. It's useless. We are useless. But continuous, wait, that's, that's a weird clip, isn't it? We are useless. Thanks for coming today. But what I mean is continuous prayer, asking prayer, seeking his, res, seeking his resources. It, that's how we remain. That's how the branch poof, stays connected to the vine. And here's like this ongoing prayer, all, the, all that I'm talking about. This is like, look at what God wants to build into your life. He wants to strengthen us in our inner being. He wants to dwell in our hearts. He wants us to be rooted and established in his love. He wants us to grasp the awesomeness of his love. He wants us to be filled with the fullness of God. Like 
all those phrases aren't like they're all so, they, 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 they point to a, to a work that is so deep and so solid and so, and so permanent and such a complete work that God wants to do in all of our lives. But here's the thing we need to learn now is that this work is gonna take a lifetime. Like it, it, this work takes time. And you know, I mean, don't look now, but on Amazon, you can, you can find there are multiple devotional books uh, you know, for men and women, boys and girls, that have this as their, as their selling point. The three-minute devotional for men. Three minutes. I mean, you can make a Pop-Tart. Like, it's like, but, make. You know, but, I mean, ladies, be encouraged, ladies. You get a five-minute. You obviously have a longer attention span. What was I talking about? No, you, I mean, but you do. But here's the thing. I'm not knocking those books at all. Because seriously, anytime a human being turns towards God, that is, that's the right thing to do. And that is a good thing to do. But what I am saying is that the work that God wants to do in our lives, this deep foundational inner work, it takes time. It takes, it takes investment. Like Again, God's, God's goal is so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And it's interesting to me that in the New Testament, there's two Greek uh, words that are used for dwell. And, and one of them is paroikio, and it means a sojourning, dwelling in a strange land. And that word, that word points to, you know, it, it, it points to a temporary dwelling, sojourning. It points to someone who's just, just passing through. Well, that's not the word that Paul uses. The word that Paul uses is katoikio, which means to dwell, to settle, to inhabit. Like, think about that. God's desire is to be a permanent resident in your life. He wants to be a permanent resident, and it is through prayer that we nurture that. And really, it is through prayer and it's through worship that we invite him in, that we, that we can be good hosts, if you will, of the presence of God, of the presence of God that's in us. And notice that in, you know, in, in, this, in the text that we've been focusing in on this section, notice that there's this movement, and, and some theologians call it the Ephesian staircase, because there's this movement that really, it's a, it's a movement in this, you know, in this lifetime of being a branch connected to the vine. It's, it's a movement of more and more of God, right? Like his plan is that we'd be strengthened in our being, not by a greater sense of self, but, but through the Holy Spirit, a greater sense of God. Uh, that Christ dwelling in our hearts, that, that we would be rooted and established in his love, not in our abilities or our independence. <clears throat> and then the final step in the staircase, to be filled with the fullness, with the measure of all the fullness of God. Not the fullness of me, but the fullness of God. So what am I saying? Like for us to, to be the church, for us to be the church that reflects the nature and the presence of God, it means it's going to require less of us and more of him. Us decreasing and him increasing in our lives. So when I am overwhelmed, I pray. When I am overwhelmed, I seek God's provision. And then finally, when I am overwhelmed, I worship him. When I am overwhelmed, I worship him. Paul <clears throat> ends this section, this prayer, with a couple of verses uh, that are commonly used as, as a benediction or like a doxology, basically like, like something, a blessing that's declared over the people, you know, as, as, as they end the service. And, and really, he wraps up this first half of his letter 
before he moves from identity into, you know, into purpose, he really ends it with a crescendo. And, 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 that's, a, and that's a musical term. And thinking about music, uh, worship team, you guys can come on back up. But that's a musical term. A crescendo gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And it, and it breaks you to this climactic point of the song. And that's really what Paul does. So uh, I want to invite you to read these two verses with me, okay? And read it with some gusto, because it's meant to be read with gusto. So verse 20 says this. You ready? It says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, that is, yeah, amen. That is worship. Like, that is worship. That, like, I love that phrase, now to him. Because that's a decision, isn't it? That's someone, you know, going through whatever you're going through in life, and it's like you turn, you go, but now to him. Now to him what? Now to him be all the glory. Right? For us to be the church, this is our response. You know, when we are overwhelmed, we worship him. Now to him be all the glory for, you know, throughout all generations, forever and ever. May he be worshiped. May he be praised, you know, forever and ever. And it's like, well, why, why? Why is he, why is he worthy of praise? You know why? Because he is able. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine. That's crazy. He is able to do more, more than we could ask or imagine. And see, when I am overwhelmed, I worship him because think about this. What does worship do? Right? We're getting ready to you know, go back into a time of worship through song. Worship awakens us to the greatness of God. These beautiful, simple songs that are loaded with, let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you what he's done. Let me tell you what he's going to do. Like, like, let me tell you how he loves you. On and on and on. Worship awakens us to the presence of God that is here right now. And you know, over the last few weeks, I've had multiple conversations with people who say, you know, <clears throat> during worship, I get emotional. And I'm like, well, look around you. Why do you think we have <laughs> Kleenex boxes everywhere? Right? It's like... And, but, but, the, but, the, but sort of the response people are saying is, I get emotional and I try to push it down, right? I try to push that down. But, but it's like, no, 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 don't do that. As we are worshiping together and as, as emotion starts stirring up inside of you, understand you're not, having an, you're not having a hallmark moment. Like what you are experiencing is the presence of God. He's coming close to you. He's pursuing you. Right? So I want to challenge you. If that starts to happen, embrace it. That's why we say, that's why our posture is so important. Go from this to this. Okay, what do you, okay, I welcome you then. I let your, maybe it's kneeling down. Whatever it is, we want to be responsive to that. I mean, uh, uh, Paul says this really in this teaching about prayer, and it's really about prayer and worship. The goal of prayer, the goal of worship is not to get something, nor is it to earn something. The goal of prayer, the goal of worship is to be with someone. It's to be with someone. What changes us, what will empower us to be the church, what will, what will prepare us for this task, right? This, this different group of people gathered around Jesus, it's not going to be merely knowing about God, it's going to be in knowing him in experiencing him, and it's through worship. It's through worship that we get to celebrate, thank you, Lord, I'm just a branch. 
right? But thank you, Lord, that I'm a branch connected to the vine, and that means we can do anything. There's, there's, there's no limit to what God can do through you and through us as the church. So why don't we stand up? We are going to um, uh, take communion together. So if you don't have your little communion, you can go very quickly. You're going to have to move quicker than that. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Sandy. I'm looking. Okay. So Lord, I just, I just pray that you would come right now and... Lord, if you don't if you don't awaken us to your presence, it's not going to happen. And so I ask that you would come right now and awaken us to you. Some of us are so thirsty. And there's the most beautiful glass of water right there. But we don't see it. So Lord, help us to see you right now. Awaken us to you. So, Lord, I, I thank you that <clears throat> on the night that you were betrayed, that you took bread, you gave thanks, you broke it, and you said, this is my body. This represents my body, which was broken for you. Uh, whenever you eat this, eat this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup, <clears throat> this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, I drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we've just celebrated your death and resurrection. And I pray that as we... Uh, remember your death. Help us now as we go into worship. Help us to remember your very alive presence right here with us. So we welcome you here. Uh, we're going to go back into worship. If, but remember, if you get a word, a picture, a scripture that you think might be for the, for the whole room, come on over here. Andrew and I will be over here. Uh, we'd love to hear that. Then we'll worship and then come on back and take some time to pray. So let's worship. Well. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.